always wanted to meet outside. Um, I think it was a few weeks in a row, perhaps I said, you know, one day we'll meet outside. And, uh, and it's kind of cool when the Lord gives you a push and He helps um, you do those things that He's laying on your heart. Um, you know, as far as a church goes and, and where we are and all this stuff, you know, um, speaking to some lawyers, speaking to Christian lawyers, speaking to people like Brad Dacus and, and guys that know uh, the Lord and they kind of know the law as well, um, you guys know what's going on and the, just the, our governor and the, and this, and the ban- mandates and things like that as far as asking churches to meet outside. And some, some people interpret that as an, uh, an, an attack or an assault against the gospel and you know, only the Lord knows the motives of men's hearts. Um, I do know this, though, that uh, we get to meet together. Uh, we still get to fellowship together. And we still get to preach the name of Jesus Christ. You know, in the book of Acts, they forbade them to preach in that name. Now, if that day ever comes, of course we're going to get arrested. Of course we're going to break those laws. Um, but we're still preaching his name. We're still preaching his word. And... I, um, I don't know about you, but we live, I, I appreciate the fact that we live in Southern California and the weather is so amazing. We get to have a service outside and who knows, maybe someone might, might listen to the fact that Jesus loves you and he has a plan for you. They might be in the neighborhood and who knows what God will do with that. So a lot of different things going on. Um, you know, uh, I heard about one Calvary Chapel um, where 50 people in the church got the virus, and some of them are on ventilators. Now, uh, we know God is sovereign, and we're not afraid to die, right? You're ready to die, but you never know, man. The person next to you might not be. So we're just asking God for wisdom every step of the way, and uh, and so we're, we're trying this tonight. Uh, one of the guys I heard, one of the Calvary pastors, pastors, he said, you know, Pastor Chuck always told us, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. So we're, we're here today. Uh, I don't. How many of you came new, knowing that you were going to be outside? I'm just curious. So the, okay, so some of you actually did, and you still came. I'm so proud of you. You're like nothing will stop me. Um, you know, I uh, I know that as far as going forward, I don't know for sure exactly what we're going to do. Um, I'm pretty sure that what we're going to do on Sunday is have an early service. Like maybe like an 8.30 service uh, to kind of beat the heat. And so we'll have one outside. And depending on how the live stream works, because to, to be honest with you, we just kind of threw this all together at the last minute. We don't know what kind of quality the live stream is going to be. Um, if, if it's not a good quality, then what we'll probably do is have an outdoor service early and then an indoor live stream that will just be for live stream. And so um, that's kind of what we're, we're praying about. But just pray that the Lord will give us wisdom in, in all the details and uh, that he would touch lives. Because one thing that I have definitely uh, come to realize is that we have to keep meeting. We have to keep meeting. I have seen God save souls since we've met. And, there, and people that are here today that got saved two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Um, I've seen God, uh, you know, when we're getting together and I'm, you know, praying with people afterwards, he's ministering to people because we're meeting in person. And so that's one thing that I know we can't stop doing. And so um, pray, um, because I think that when I look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says they continue steadfastly in the word and prayer and uh, communion and in fellowship. 
those four things uh, we have to continue to do. And so, as a matter of fact, on Sunday, we're going to have communion. We haven't had communion in a while. And so we finally got these little uh, cups and, and bread, and they're uh, the ones that all come together in a nice little package, and you can unseal them, and no one else will touch them. And, uh, and, and we're going to have communion together because Acts 2.42 tells us to do that. So anyways, uh, there's probably a million other things I need to tell you, but um, we're here primarily to study God's Word and to seek His face. And so today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 10. If you have a Bible, let's open up there. Now, you might remember that when we began the book of Proverbs, I mentioned to you, and I think I've repeated it a couple of times, that the first nine chapters of Proverbs are primarily an invitation to come and, and be wise. God is saying, you know, don't live a full life, F-O-O-L. Don't be a fool. Live a full life, F-U-L-L. Wisdom. You know, what is it? I mean, it's the application of biblical knowledge. Wisdom. What is it? It's the skill of living life for the glory of God. You know, you can be a good baseball player, praise God. You might be a, a good at other things, a, a good race car driver, you know, a good cook. I mean, those are great things to be. You know, you want to be good at something. I think we all have different talents and gifts. But what we're talking about here in, in Proverbs is being good, so to speak, at living life for the glory of God. And so the first nine chapters, we've seen just the invitation to come and study it, come and gather with them, wisdom. In a general sense, you guys, and I, some of you know this, but maybe you don't, what that in many ways means is that study your Bibles, read your Bibles, to heed your Bibles, learn your Bibles, to live your Bible. I mean, there's we're living in a land of lies right here. This word is the, the truth. And what I've come to realize is that, yeah, you can listen to different Bible studies and praise God for that. That's part of it. But really the heart of it is you and the Holy Spirit reading your Bible and asking God to speak to you. As you do that over the years as a Christian, as you learn this book, as you learn how to swing that sword, then you're going to be a person of wisdom. And so the first nine chapters are like, hey, are you interested? Hey, come. Are you going to study this? You know, do you have a hunger for it? Are you going to read your Bible? Are you going to read your Proverbs? And then when you, when you say yes, now we get into the next 10 chapters, and there's going to be a transition here. Uh, one of the things we talked about when we started the book of Proverbs is that a proverb in one sense is a sermon in a sentence. It's a sermon in a sentence. And so, you know, we have all these proverbs. What we have here are biblical proverbs, you know, but uh, we talked about how, you know, there, there are those sayings that we have um, in life. And, uh, you know, just a single sentence, and a lot of us know those things. But when we get to this section now, what we're talking about is there's going to be a transition of him just sharing these, you know, single-sentence sermons. And so if you're taking notes, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you guys something that I think is important to know before we dive into this section of Proverbs. Um, it, because remember, you have to know the context. The context is as the book of poetry. 
And so Hebrew parallelism is what we're studying now. Now, the Proverbs is a form of Hebrew poetry, and it's a lot different than a lot of us are accustomed to reading today in our culture. You know, while our poetry frequently is organized into the similar sounds, you guys know me, huh? I like to rhyme. Uh, I'm a poet. I didn't even know it. See, um, that's our kind of poetry. Hebrew poetry is different. It's based upon the similarity of thoughts arranged in parallel statements. Several types of parallelism are common in Proverbs. And so write these down. These are kind of academic stuff. But, you know, when you start reading the Proverbs, you'll be able to identify which ones they are. Okay, the first type of proverb is what's called uh, antithetical, antithetical parallelism. So we're going to take a little Bible college class. Antithetical parallelism. And this is where two ideas contrast. The second line is often introduced by the word but, and it contrasts the first line. And so, for example, in Proverbs 10, 27, you'll see it tonight. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. You see the contrast there? Okay, so that's what's called the antithetical parallelism. The second kind is what's called synonymous parallelism. Synonymous. And what that is, is it restates the idea of the first line in different ways. Either it's a continuation, not a contrast, and you'll see that. For example, in Proverbs 1, verse 8, it says, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. So it it, it carries the idea of the first line. It's kind of a continuation of it. So... Number one, antithetical parallelism. Number two, synonymous parallelism. Number three, synthetic parallelism. Synthetic. And what that is, is it expands upon what has been stated in the first line. Well, synonymous parallelism repeats what has been said in the first line. Synthetic takes the thought of the first line farther and it develops it. Remember, synonymous is kind of saying the same thing. But synthetic takes it farther. For example, Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Or or Proverbs 21.13, it says, Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. And so you have the different types of parallelism. Number four is what's called emblematic parallelism. You guys can recognize that word emblem. Right, emblematic. And so what this is, the first line uses a figure of speech to illuminate the main point conveyed by the second line. And you see this in many uh, places, uh, Proverbs uh, 25, 25, Proverbs 27, 17. Proverbs eleven twenty two. it says, As a ring of gold in a swine's snout. Okay, can you picture a ring of gold in a, in a pig's nose? Can you see that? Okay. And he says, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. And so there's the emblem. It's an emblematic parallelism. Okay, number five, only two more. Climactic parallelism. And what this is, is when the second line repeats the first with the exception of the last term. And so it's called climactic parallelism. In Proverbs 31.4, it says, it is not for kings, Olemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine nor for kings intoxicating drink. Or Psalm 29.1 uses that form of Hebrew poetry. It says, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. 
And so you're studying, you know, Hebrew poetry. You're learning, okay, wow, these are the different ones. Antithetical, synonymous, synthetic, emblematic, climactic, and then the last one is numerical proverbs. And so this is when they use uh, numbers in the, the different uh, statements. For example, Proverbs 30, 21, it says, For three things the earth is perturbed, yes, for four it cannot bear up. And then it goes on and lists what they are. And so, you know, when you're going through the Proverbs, it's kind of cool to be able to identify them. Is it a contrast? Is it a continuation? Uh, is it an emblematic? Is it something that has to do with, with numbers? Um, is it uh, synonymous? And when you're going through it, I think it's good to kind of make note of that. And so see if you can identify some of them uh, this evening. We begin in verse 1. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, in Proverbs chapter 10. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Do any of you know what type of Hebrew parallelism that is? A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. You know, and that one's kind of a trick one, you know, because some might look at it and say it's a contrast, um, and, and maybe it is, but um, that's a difficult one because it might be saying the same thought in a different way. Depends on how you're going to interpret it. You see, we, we haven't seen Solomon's name uh, since chapter 1, verse 1, but here we see his name again identified as the author of the Proverbs. And it's good to know because, remember, he was a man who was endowed with wisdom unparalleled, right? And so as he's writing here, we read, first of all, about parents and children. And, of course, moms are, generally speaking, more sensitive. And so um, maybe that's what he's saying here. Um, but I, I think, uh, generally speaking, uh, what we find is that this can be applicable to either parent. Uh, and it's also applicable to both daughters and sons that a wise child makes his or her parents glad. Amen. But a foolish child brings great grief. You, know, you have kids that, that love the Lord. You have kids that serve the Lord. You have kids that, you know, they are genuinely saved. I mean, it brings you happiness. It brings you joy. And let me just say this to some of you parents here today, because maybe you're being hit hard by, by some of the things that life is throwing your way. But man, if you have kids that are saved, you are rich. You're rich. Praise God. Because this is a, a huge thing. And if you're here today and your kids aren't saved, don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Continue to pray for them. Continue to ask God for, for wisdom. In these things, you know, I was reading a story about the, the mom of Augustine and when he went off, uh, you know, to travel the seas, uh, she thought that her prayers were not being answered because it seemed like he was going in the wrong direction. But Augustine would later say that God answered her prayers, but just in a different way, because as he sunk in his sin. Eventually, and it took a lot, and it took a long time, but eventually he came to be one of the great church fathers. And so don't stop loving, don't stop praying, don't be discouraged. But at the end of the day, we know that um, when you have a child that uh, serves the Lord, it, it brings uh, gladness. Like it says right here, a wise son 
makes a glad father. Third John 1 John 1.4, it says basically the same thing. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Imagine that. No greater joy. Now, of course, that's in reference to, um, I think the context probably there in Third John is in reference to the Christians that, that got saved and they're still walking. He heard, hey, they're still serving the Lord. Hey, they still love the Lord. And it brought great joy. You know, when he heard that the church was serving God. But, uh, of course, we know that it applies to our biological children as well. And then there's the contrast, right? Uh, when they don't serve the Lord. And, and my heart just goes out, you know, to you parents. And, you know, we all go through it to a certain extent. Man, it hurts so bad. I mean, there's no greater grief. I was thinking about that passage in Genesis 26, 34 through 35. It says, when he saw was 40 years old, he took as his wives, Judith, the daughter of Biri the Hittite, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they were a grief of mine to Isaac and Rebekah. Because his son, their son, married uh, people that weren't believers. And so it's a statement to parents. It's, it's a fact. I also think in one sense, don't you think it's a statement to children? Some of you here, children... You're still young enough to know that, you know, your walk, your life, it impacts your parents. And so God help us uh, to uh, have that wisdom and make sure we don't live lives of foolishness. Verse 2, it says, Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. And we will see over and over again the contrast between the wicked and the righteous. We're just going to see that throughout the Proverbs, even tonight. And we're also going to see, as we study the Proverbs, how worldly treasures are only temporary at best. And at the end of the day, you guys, they're not very valuable. You know, we think that getting that that, that new car is going to make us happy, or or the new clothes, or the, the latest gadgets, the fastest stuff. We want it so bad. And a lot of times that I've learned in life that you just end up accumulating things that are nothing but distractions. When the book of Hebrews, it says that when you run the race, travel light. Especially when those treasures are treasures of wickedness. And so he says right here, they they profit nothing but righteousness. It delivers from death. And, you know, that, I don't know if you guys want that. Um, just out of curiosity, let me just say it here to you. Do you want to be right on? Do you want to be right on with the Lord? I mean, that should be our heart. Righteousness. That's when you believe in Jesus Christ and you're covered with the righteousness of, of Christ. His uh, righteousness is imputed to your account. The Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And so um, that's the imputed righteousness that comes to you the moment you believe, the moment you believe. But then it doesn't end there. And I think when you read the book of Proverbs, you got to know that he's talking not only about the imputed righteousness, but also the imparted righteousness. And what the imparted righteousness is when we grow, when we fall in love, when we get rooted and grounded, when we begin to study the word and, and God begins to move in our life, he makes us more and more like Jesus. 
And so that righteousness, it, he says, it delivers from death. And so be careful that you don't look at your life and measure your riches only by the possessions and things and money that you make. There's a lot more to it. It has to do with spiritual riches. Verse 3, he says, The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. Again, we see here, did you notice the contrast between the righteous and the wicked? You know, again, we see that. It's an antithetical parallelism. And what we find is that the righteous can be satisfied, really, but the wicked just can't get no satisfaction. I've heard that somewhere before. I'm old. It's true, huh? You just can't. Um, if you're a Christian, though, it's so cool um, to be able to wake up in the morning and, uh, and spend time with the Lord. Um, I'll tell you guys something. Um, yesterday, uh, and this is just me. This is my personal conviction, so I hope I don't mess anybody up. But I've told you guys many times before that the Lord told me that if I'm first in your life, then the first thing you're going to do in the morning is you're going to spend time with me. And that's what the Lord communicated to me. Don't wake up in the morning and check any emails. Don't wake up in the morning and check any social media. Don't wake up in the morning and water the plants. Don't wake up in the morning and watch TV. Don't read the newspaper. If I'm number one in your life, the first thing, Manny, I want you to do is spend time with me. Leave your phone there and spend time with me. So that's my personal conviction. And so yesterday, uh, I don't know what happened, man. Yesterday I woke up in the morning and I got my cup of coffee and I went to spend time with the Lord. But then all of a sudden I started checking these other things online and I started, you know, doing this and that and the other. And the Lord just, man, he just convicted me. And it was really, this is just between me and the Lord and it doesn't happen all the time like this, but it was a really rough day. But then, you know, today, by the grace of God, I learned my lesson the hard way because I really hurt my day yesterday. And I, and I woke up and I started getting tempted to go sideways. And the Lord said, no. And by the grace of God, he just said, you know, you spend your time with me. You read, you pray. And I will tell you this. I was blessed. Like it says right there, um, that, that the, the, the Lord won't allow the righteous soul to famish. You know, that hunger that you have for him, he'll, he'll, he'll give you himself. It's so cool, you know. Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, thank God for soul food, huh? All the other stuff, Believe you me, it will never satisfy you. Verse 4, it says, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. And I, and I think we can easily couple these two verses together, verse 4 and 5. Really the consequences of laziness and the benefits of diligence and hard work. You know, we read this principle uh, back in chapter 6 in verse 11. Watch, look real quick. Proverbs 6 in verse 11, it says in verse 9, How, how long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? 
a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. And, and when I was reading this uh, the other day, um, I just I was kind of like taken aback by the word little. A, a little sleep, just a little slumber, a, a little folding of the hands to sleep. And, and when I read that, the Lord just started ministering to me. It's not that you can never take a nap. It's not that you can you know, never um, you know, take a vacation. But, but at the end of the day, what God is saying is you can never disobey me. If I've called you to work, you know, eight straight hours, if I call you to pray, if I call you to read your word, if I call you to witness, if I call you to seek me and you don't because you take a little time off, God's saying then your poverty it comes on you one day and you wake up or something happens and you realize that you're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so um, back in, 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 in Proverbs uh, chapter 10, we see the contrast here between working hard or hardly working. And of course, it, you know, we're talking about benefits that are physical, but we're also, and I think we're going to see it a lot in the Proverbs, talking about benefits that are spiritual. The slack son will experience poverty and shame, while the diligent ones experience riches and they reap in a harvest. You know what we see even here, how summer is a season to store up and to save up for a rainy day. And I praise God, I know some of you, and I'm not trying to you know, say anything weird, but you know, just going to church sometimes can be a challenge and we get lazy. But, you know, I've learned just get up and go. Um, The flesh, I think my flesh, more than anything else, doesn't want to pray. Uh, That's the one thing that the devil does not want me to do. And we can get lazy. You know, reading the word, things like that, sharing the Lord. When was the last time you shared with someone? You evangelized someone? See, when we find ourselves getting lazy in those things, then what we're going to find ourselves in is what we're talking about right here. Uh, it's, a, it's a son who, who causes shame. And so praise God you're here. Praise God you're storing up. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Verse 6, it says, Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. And again, we see right here more contrast between the righteous and the wicked. Uh, which would you prefer? Victory on your head? And what's that? Victory on your head. Maybe a crown. Maybe one day when you're standing before Christ and the Bible talks about these crowns. Maybe you just have a good head on your shoulders because of the fact that you're seeking God. Victory on your head. Which would you rather have? Victory on your head? Maybe it has to do with your, your, your mind, your thoughts, or a violence in your mouth. Now, what's that all about? What's violence uh, that covers the mouth? And there's a lot of different things uh, that we can think about. Maybe someone getting sucked in the mouth. Um, maybe what ends up happening a lot, Uh, A lot of you guys, maybe before you were Christians, you experienced something like this. I remember I used to see my dad and friends and stuff. They just start talking, saying things they shouldn't say. 
Next thing you know, they're throwing blows. Next thing you know, you know, weapons are pulled out. It could be that, because a lot of times what we say, we can't tame our tongue, it leads to abuse. But it can also be um, verbal abuse. And that's what happens when we say things that we shouldn't say. Oftentimes, those words which cut to the heart and are demonic in origin can actually be identified as verbal abuse. When you look at this, it's no wonder the memory of the righteous lasts. So many good memories, a godly legacy, whereas the name or memory of the wicked, it just rots. You know, I think of individuals, um, I don't know why, right now I just thought about Naomi Farrell, you know, uh, Sharon Reese's mom, and just a beautiful legacy that she left, and all the fruit that has, you know, come because of her godly life. You know, that's what we want, you guys, in life. And so verse 8, it says, The wise in heart will receive commands, but a pratting fool will fall. Uh, antithetical parallelism here. And what we find is the, the wise, and we're going to see this a lot, you guys. Um, and, and I don't know, Warren Wiersbe, he said something interesting. He said, when you read the Proverbs, they cover a lot of different uh, things, but then they cover them over and over again. So he said the best way to read the Proverbs is just to go through them. Like we're, do we, we're supposed to do, right? One a day. But he said another thing that you might want to do one day, he said probably the best way to study the Proverbs is by topic. And so what we know we're going to see a lot in the Proverbs about how important it is to be able to receive correction. And they're the wise in heart. They're, they're receptive. They're willing to be corrected. They're willing to be commanded. But Manny, I'll be honest with you, Manny, my flesh, it, he does not like to be corrected. You can ask my wife. You can ask her. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure a lot of you out there, you know, you feel the same way. You're like, how many of you here feel like at the end of the day, because you're so brilliant, that you're always right? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> We're always right. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't have any arguments or disagree with anyone, right? But, but what I've learned is that when I get corrected or when I get, you know, commanded or asked to do things maybe that I wasn't ready for, that as you're reading through the Proverbs, you realize what a, how important it is to be able to be corrected. Because I've noticed that 99 times out of 100, there's some truth that I can benefit from. Number, verse 9, it says, He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. He who winks with the eye causes trouble, but a pratting fool, and by the way, a pratting fool is someone who just talks foolishness, uh, who just talks when they ought to be listening, uh, a prating fool will fall. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. And here we see two types of people clearly contrasted. Though The one person is really, it's kind of crazy, the pervert, the winking, prating fool, the wicked, as opposed to the one who walks with integrity. That is the righteous. What is integrity? 
Integrity is when you're clean in your heart. Integrity is when you do the right thing when no one else is looking. Integrity is trying to live a life that is wholesome, right? And if we live that life of integrity, we're going to be walking securely. You know, a lot of times people are looking for security. Well, how you know will I last, or where, how can I get that 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 longevity to stay on that place? And we try. I think sometimes the enemy might come and say, "Well, Manny, you better do a little manipulation there and here, and you know, kind of work this out and pull some strings." So that you can, you know, make sure that you're going to be okay. And the Lord just says, no. You just try to please me. You just try to be obedient to me. You just try, you know, at the very uh, the core of your heart to, live, to be a man of integrity. And I'll take care of you. You know, the other one, the, 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 the individual that we're reading here, the, the pervert, winking, pratting fool, this wicked individual will eventually be exposed. One stands while the other inevitably falls. The words of of one, uh, check this out, is a well of life. But again, we see the tongue of the wicked is violent. Verse 12, it says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. What do you do when you're wrong? What do you do? You know, that right there, it says a lot about us. If we fight fire with fire, if we stir things up, what do we prove? We prove that we are haters. That's what it says right here in verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife. But if we turn the other cheek, like Jesus said, and cover those sins, it shows that we're lovers And if we're lovers, then we're Christians. That's why it's so important to make sure that we have clean accounts, that we are, you know, people who forgive. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says, is love. And we're going to see this uh, throughout the Proverbs. For example, Proverbs 15, uh, look at verse 18. It says, a wrathful man stirs up strife. But he was slow to anger, allays contention. Uh, Proverbs 17, look at Proverbs 17, verse 9. It says, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 8, it says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Is there anyone in your life that God is just saying, hey, you got to make things right. you got to forgive. you got to cover. you got to be that individual who loves. And I would just say to you, and I'm saying it to myself as well, let's do our best to make sure that, you know, I don't know, like sometimes, um, you know, maybe there'll be a little uh, something. I mean, i, I got to be careful. I don't want to say uh, too much, but, you know, you guys know I'm not a perfect man, right? You guys know that? Say amen. Come on, let me hear you. Amen. <laughs> right. I, I believe you me. So every once in a while, man, you know, like, you know, maybe my, my son will be walking out the door and I'll say something maybe I shouldn't have said. And um, and then I, I think to myself, what if this he, he gets in a car accident or what if something happens to him or you? And that was like the last thing that you said to him. 
You know, so I don't know. I just, I just pray that that we wouldn't live our life with any woulda, coulda, shouldas, any regrets in this kind of stuff. The skill of living life, the skill of living life, being like Jesus. I mean, when we're we're talking about wisdom, you know, it's not like just like you know non-Christian stuff. We're talking about the heart of what it means to be a Christian. All these things. And what we find is that this whole aspect of covering sins and expressing love, as opposed to being individuals who stir up strife. You know, some people think, well, that's no big deal. It's the only way that I'm going to be treated right. You know, I'm going to let them have it. And, and what does that prove according to what we're reading right here? It proves nothing but hatred. Verse 13, and we're almost done. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. Imagine that. You find wisdom on his lips or on her lips, right? That individual that knows the word, they give the word, but you look at their their lives and you look at that person and their backs are bleeding, there's bruises, there's scars from the way that their lives have so much unnecessary discipline. And you realize the contrast between those who have and those who lack understanding. You know, one of the the things that kind of breaks my heart, and we see it now, um, people that are incarcerated, people that are in jail. And in one sense, you know, they're there, and they're, they're serving their sentence, they're doing their time. Some of them get saved while they're in prison or in jail, you know, but your heart goes out to them because basically they're the ones that we're reading about here in verse 13. How wisdom is found on the lips of him who is understanding, but a rod, what's that? That's the discipline. That's the punishment is found on the back of him who is devoid of understanding. How many of you here, you want the rod? You want God's rod? <laughs> we, we don't, right? We don't. No, we want God to bless. We want God to do that work in our life. And so um, I w- I'm going to stop there tonight because I wanted to finish up by 8 o'clock. Um, next week we'll pick it up and we'll probably just finish chapter 10. But I, I pray that you guys um, would read a proverb every day. You know, uh, today, what's the day today? Today's uh, the 16th. You read Proverbs 16. Tomorrow, Proverbs 17. That's something that my pastor told me when I first got saved and I started reading a proverb each day. And I really believe that God used that in my life to spare me a lot of heartache. Of course, these are things that even though we might know uh, them, we could never do them apart apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things, uh, you guys, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Calvary Chapel, they have a little logo. You guys know what the logo is? It's a dove, right? And that that dove um, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when Jesus was baptized, um, the Bible talks about how the Father spoke and the dove descended on Jesus. And then he was uh, driven into the wilderness for 40 days, uh, tested by, uh, he was tempted by the devil and he came out victorious. And then he went out of that and he started casting out demons. He started preaching the gospel. He started seeing uh, things happen. I mean, we're talking about 
the lame walking, you know, the blind seeing, the mute speaking. I mean, just all the amazing things, calling guys. It all started with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and for us as Christians, I think that a lot of times we forget that, you know, we have to make sure that we have the Word of God and we have the Spirit of God. Can I ask you a question today? How much of God do you have? Or maybe put in a different way, how much of you does He have? Are you walking in power? Are we walking with the fresh filling and anointing and baptism of the Holy Spirit? Are you hungering and thirsting after God? I know a lot of you are. are. That's why you're here. But maybe some of you aren't. Maybe some of you came because, I don't know, someone else dragged you here. Or maybe some of you came because you didn't have anything else to do. When at the end of the day, God brought you here. God brought you here because God wants to meet with you and God wants to touch you. And, and, I, and I know the Bible talks about this in Luke chapter 11 because if Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit, don't you think we do? We do, huh? And so if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's where it starts. You got to believe in Him, that He died for you, that He rose again, and that when you place your faith in Him, that He will save you from your sins. And one day when you die, you won't go to hell, you'll go to heaven. Why? Because you believe in Jesus. That's where it starts. But then, as you continue in your journey as a Christian, you need to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, chapter 19, when Paul went to Ephesus, he saw some Christians. At least they said they were believers. And he looked at them and he said, Man, you know what? You're not glowing. Like, there's no fire inside of you. Like, you just kind of seem like you're normal people. There's really not, like, anything special about you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I mean, it was crazy. That that was the first thing. Like, he was asking these guys who said they were Christians. Okay, you're Christians. Are you, are, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's power over sin. And, and then after the first time you get baptized, then you continue to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, and when we were in the world, what did you guys used to do? We used to drink, huh? Well, some of you guys did, and I'm so proud of you, man. But for those that did, and then, you know, that you were under the influence of that alcohol, in Ephesians 5.18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is a wasted life, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I, I just thank God that you came tonight. You know, I know I'm just a man, but I, as a pastor, I'm so blessed when I see people leave their house and come to service, even something outside. Or those that are watching, I know on live stream, I get so blessed you know, especially if you're still watching, that's impressive. <laughs> My prayer is that God would bless you for this. And then if you're open tonight, we're going to pray together that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And I always think about it, Lord, when I'm praying for the services, Lord, teach them. Yes, teach them. Yes, teach them. But God, touch them. Touch them too. So that today when you leave, I remember there was one time, and even in the Old Testament, you read it, it's pretty interesting. When these guys started uh, uh, serving uh, Israel, and they were under the leadership of Saul, uh, and even Saul himself, it says that God touched them, and it says that they, they turned them, turned him into another man. And that's what we need. I pray that that would happen to you tonight. You know, how does it happen? It happens by faith. Believe. The Lord said it in Luke 11, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So, if you need Him, if you need that grace tonight, if you need that power tonight, because what we're talking about, living a life of wisdom, we can't, we can't do it without Him. And so tonight, I pray that if that's your heart, you would just say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Because the days that we're living in are the last of the last days. Um, the rapture can happen at any moment and we need to be on fire for God. Amen.